Welcome to That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann. That Weekend Feeling, it's brought to you by The Weekend Post and the Daily Dispatch Weekend Edition. Our guest today, former Springbok front row. He's also been a coach of various age group teams, including senior, and uh, also these days known very well as a rugby commentator and analyst on Supersport. Welcome, Robbie Kempson. Yeah, hi, Darren. Thanks very much for having me in. Looking forward to our chat. Each one of us has a story to tell and a story to share. A story that deserves to be heard. A story that inspires, motivates and gives people a reason to keep going. A story about our triumphs as individuals and as a team. A story about our humble beginnings and what the future holds for us. A story about our heritage and that which brings us together. It is these stories that connect us. The Herald. Whatever you live for, we live to tell that story for you. It's that weekend feeling and we're chatting with Robbie Kempson. There's a lot to cover when it comes to rugby. It's been a mixed bag as far as the Springboks go. We got off to a good start. A lot of criticism from all over the world. I'm not sure all of it was justified. And uh, after an initially disappointing start down under, a fantastic win over the All Black in what was one of the greatest rugby test matches in recent memory, I think. Yeah, listen, I, th- I think uh, if you go past the last I think 10 to 12 matches against the All Blacks have been within a couple of points. So always fantastic to get one over the old foe. Unfortunately, they won the 100th. Uh, would be nice to take that scalp as well. But uh, yeah, a bit of an up and down season, you'd think. Um, fantastic victory of the Lions Tour. Where I think Gatlin definitely got a few things wrong. But, uh, you know, South Africa got them right and managed to beat the Lions. And then Australia just proved a different kettle of fish. I mean, under Dave Rennie, they are indeed a much more polished side. He's brought a few of the, the old stalwarts back. And you know, I think we were found a bit wanting with regards to those two games and luckily managed to, to shore up everything for the final two against the All Blacks. But to get that last victory, put us back at number one. Uh, nothing better for R- Rassi Erasmus and Jacques and the team. And end of year tour coming up. And we've got a few injury issues to worry. I see Faf de Klerk's been added to the list today. What do you expect from the box when it comes to the Northern Hemisphere tour at the end of the season? Listen, I, I actually don't mind the injuries too much. I think you know we need to be put in the position where we start building depth. Uh, we know what our, our front runners can do, um, and they have done very well winning that last last game against the All Blacks. But certainly, I think you know giving other youngsters an opportunity, particularly in those key positions, like as you say, Fuff. Um, the biggest disappointment, perhaps for everyone, is Archie Snaman being injured again, mm-hmm. um, just getting back to full fitness. Um, and then yeah, Malherb is out as well on the title, which gives another opportunity, you know, maybe to. Uh, Trevor and and his gang to you know get us back on the front foot. So I don't think the injuries are the worst thing that can happen to us. I certainly would like to see a, a player Farsi get an opportunity. Um, you know, perhaps a more of an extended run for the likes of Elton and, and a few of the other guys in that backline. So I don't think this, the overseas trip is going to be a particularly easy one. Um, you know, after beating the Lions, all these teams would like to beat us. No question there. So. <laughs> Um, I think it's going to be a, a tough tour, but certainly I think it will be positive for us if we can get a few of our, our, our youngsters into the mix and, and playing at that level more consistently. If I might rewind to the Lions tour, we lost the first one. We came back and won the series 2-1, which takes some doing. 
Do you buy into all the criticism of the Bok tactics that we heard from Australia, New Zealand, and also the Northern Hemisphere countries? Uh, no, 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 not if you're winning. Uh, I, I mean, probably one of the most famous quotes to come out of the Lions series before was from Dan Bigger. He literally just said, listen, if I was winning ga- those games, playing the way South Africa did, I, I wouldn't have a problem either. So, no, not at, not at all. I think if we're winning games, even if it was a dull affair, listen, to be fair to to, to Rassi and uh, Jacques and the, and the team, uh, Gatlin did exactly the same thing. He didn't play an expansive game plan. And, you know, it's always been an arm wrestle when Rassi has played against Gatlin. Um, all the games have been won, you know, within a margin of points and generally have been won by kicks. So it's the way Gatlin certainly prepared his side. And, you know, we just prepared our side better. And that's why we won the Test Series. So I think, as I said earlier, I think Gatlin got it wrong and Rassi Rasmus certainly got it right. But uh, in the manner in which we won the, the, the Test Series, um, I've certainly got no complaints about that. And, and long may we continue winning if, if that's the case. Couldn't agree more. The All Black matches, two games, and uh, both teams scoring 48 points over the course of the two games. 1917, we lost the first one. 31 29, we won the second. Just one score in each of those games. They could have gone either way. How, how did we lose the first one? <laughs> Listen, you know, the first one's a bit of a tricky one. So I, I do believe the All Blacks, I've been chatting to Josh Cronfeld and a few other guys that were over there. The All Blacks were pretty nervous for that first one. So they probably underplayed uh, their potential. And I think you know, we went into it with a bit of trepidation ourselves. And I think we probably weren't on the mark quite either, to be honest. So um, they, I thought, more snuck that one. I think you know, the second test for me was even a bigger victory in view of the fact that you know, when have we ever, in the history of our Springboks, seen our side down with the you know, clock is up, time's up, and we have the you know, that resolute factor within our spine of our team to you know, kick for the corner, get the penalty and finally the win. I, I've never seen that in a South African side, yet alone a Springbok side. So for me, that was a much bigger win than uh, losing the unfortunate 100th test. And I think what it showed with this current Springbok side is just the metal that they have uh, regarding their performances and the way they can perform, particularly in you know the vital stages of a game where it certainly has been not been a factor with you know, our Springbok makeup uh, over you know, many, many years. Rob, before we move over to uh, franchise rugby, uh, I would like to get your thoughts and your comment on the disciplining of uh, Rassi Erasmus by World Rugby. I see that what was going to be a decision made at the end of August is now going to be made at the end of October. What are your thoughts on it, firstly, and what do you expect to come out of this? Uh, my thoughts on it, listen, the, the way it was leaked, I mean, no one knows well, no one knows the true facts behind it, but certainly it wasn't leaked from a South African uh, uh, person, so I think you know, f- from a pure legal perspective, I think not too much can happen to Rossi. I do believe World Rugby are going to try and make, you know, make try and make something quite big out of it, and and try and really you know put a rubber stamp on what his antics were and the way he addressed it. But you know, in fairness to Rossi and the video itself, um, you know, this is nothing new. Um, you know, we've all been complaining about the way these referees have mishandled South African teams, and it's been decades. It hasn't been just in the last couple of years. Um, and you know, finally to call a referee out in the way he did, um, it's nothing new. But it, I think because it went so viral, and you know, so many in view of COVID, so many more people were obviously watched the video and the contents thereof. 
Um, the contents there is nothing wrong with. He's got it spot on with regards to the referee, the way he interacted with our players, and you know how dismissive he was with regards to certain decisions. And I think if anything that I hope comes out of it, um, if, if Rassi gets a sort of a, a couple of weeks ban and a, and a fine and all the rest of it, you know, so be it. But you know the refereeing performances, particularly when we went to the championship um, you know, down under, were much better. They were competent. They were, you know, they were very professional and there were very few indifferent decisions that were made compared to what has happened prior in prior test matches. So I think if anything can come out of it is that World Rugby will get their shop in order, they'll get their referees in order and we'll make sure that they, they are consistent for absolutely every game and not just the one or two that are earmarked by certain coaches. So, and I think all coaches worldwide, and I'm just talking about Rassi, I'm pretty sure that Eddie Jones is the same when he gets you know a couple of harsh decisions. Um, you know, Farrell will be the same with Ireland. Uh, certainly they'll be same you know, in New Zealand. If the referees get it right more consistently in view of the fact that Rassi made an hour-long video, I think we're all going to be happy. And I certainly hope that's all that's really taken out of this. Um, I, they will try and have a go at Rassi. Uh, he's, listen, he's too, he's too canny, that chap. Uh, he's, he's got more than a few aces up his sleeve. So, um, yeah, it, it, what they, if they can throw the book at him, uh, to what extent, I don't think... I think Rassi you know, has got a few of the aces on his side as opposed to World Rugby having them. Uh, just the manner and think that the, that the, they went about the, the release of the video, um, you know, again, I just, I just hope the positive comes out of it with regards to everyone getting a fair crack in a game of rugby that we all love as opposed to it being marginally one-sided in view of the referee's antics, which it definitely has been, in my opinion, uh, specifically regarding South Africa and decisions that are made in test matches. Rob, let's move away from test rugby. Look at the South African franchises. For the first time in how many years, no super rugby going on. We've moved up north. We're, we're in the URC. Didn't get off to a great start. And this past weekend, it got a little better. Super second half performance from the Bulls saw them win. The Stormers got a draw. The Lions lost by just a score. And uh, the Sharks got a win as well. Your thoughts on, on firstly, us leaving Super Rugby and going up north, and then how the South African teams are going to adapt? Yeah, I think it's not always unfortunate to lose Super Rugby. And I, I loved playing it. But then, you know, towards the back end of my career, I wanted to go play in exactly the competition that we are playing in. So. Um, if anything, I think it's got to strengthen our rugby, to be honest with you. I think they are much more professional sides. They're certainly more competitive sides if we're playing you know, on a week-in, week-out basis. And in view of the fact that they're so professional, you know, our coaches are going to have to upskill themselves rather rapidly to ensure that they can compete, as they have done um, in week three of the competition. So I think pretty much there's a lot more positives than negatives. The negatives is not playing against New Zealand um, on a more uh, sort of New Zealand teams on a more frequent basis, but certainly I don't think we're losing too much by leaving Super Rugby and going into what I think is a much stronger competition with you know potentially the comp- the comp- uh, competitive nature of the teams we're playing again and the professionals of those teams are going to rub off onto our guys and you know, hopefully we're going to get a few more victories. This in the first two weeks is exactly what I expected. Uh, uh, honestly, the, the level of competition, I don't think people realise how strong it is, uh, particularly over there. It's a very attritional and it's, it's the, the game plans of this side is definitely a ball in hand approach where in South Africa we tend to kick the ball away more often than not. So, and we rely on our defence, um, which you, you can't do in this competition. So again, it's, it's going to add another string to you know, the bow of our sides and 
in view of that, it's going to help you know, our, our Springbok side because our players are playing in this competition. And Rob, South Africa have things stacked against them a little more than the other sides, maybe. I understand the home games are not going to be played at home for South African franchises. Oh, Darren, that's a little bit unfortunate. Uh, they are going to Italy, which, you know, their winters aren't as harsh as, as potentially you'll get in, certainly getting Wales and, and definitely in Ireland. Um, so probably a few, a bit milder co- uh, conditions, but they are away from home. And, you know, we don't have our crowd factor, which they do have on that side. And again, probably the most important thing is that uh, specifically for the Bulls and Lions, they've got the altitude factor, which, you know, these sides uh, won't have to deal with. Uh, and it's a shorter trip for them. But, um, you know, I think in view of particularly COVID and the, the way these guys are prepared, they're going to be at home for a couple of weeks first before they go over to Italy and play those games. Yes, it does put us at a, a disadvantage, but you know, being on the road and, and realising that we're going to, you know, out of the 16 sides, you know, we're only going to be playing four in South Africa, you know, we're, going to, we're going to have to get used to that travel. And luckily, it's not the travel that you have to Australasia. It's, you know, it's just one flight up and down, um, more or less most of the time. And mm-hmm. you know, it's close enough to, to fly over recruits if you have injuries as well. So um, also, again, for its, you know, playing in Italy, it would probably be of more of a benefit to South African sides than playing these uh, games um, over in Wales or Ireland uh, in November. So, But still, away from home and not having your home ground advantage. Um, you know, Durban has its own thing with humidity as well, which would be to their advantage. And Cape Town has a bit of a breeze now and then. So uh, it will be a disadvantage, but certainly something you know, our side should be able to handle. Last question for you, Rob. Uh, just turning our attention locally to uh, the state of rugby in Eastern Province. We've been battling for year after year after year. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Can you see improvements on the way? Uh, no, no, I'm afraid to be the bearer of bad tidings, but uh, I don't see any lights. Uh, not the current way things are run, unfortunately. Um, you know, anything with rugby at this present time, and, it's, it's, and this is no slant on administration, please don't get me wrong. Um, you know, you need money to run anything successfully in professional sports or even semi-professional sport. And I think, you know, the economies worldwide as they are right now, it's, it's difficult to to try to throw you know, a lot of money into something that potentially people don't see as very sustainable. And you know, not having a franchise, I think that is probably the hardest thing for Eastern Province rugby going forward, as it is for all the other you know, provinces that aren't franchises and for the teachers themselves as well, not having an international competition to play. And you just can't keep your players. You don't have the financial ability to be able to draw players or to keep players because they want to play international competitions. So it's going to be unfortunately very difficult for the likes of Eastern Province rugby uh, the cheetahs, Griquas, even and the Pumas to you know have sort of longevity and financial stability over the next couple of years. I think it's going to be increasingly difficult for the smaller unions. We appreciate your thoughts. We're catching up with Robbie Kempson, former Springbok front row, coach, as I said earlier, of senior teams and various age level groups. And you're involved with the Grey High at the moment, Rob? Yes, indeed. It's been very, very good so far. A lot of support from you know, all the old, old grade chaps and started getting involved with the school processes. So I'm looking very forward to it, I must say. And we look forward to seeing some good results from them. They're usually in the top 10. Long may it continue. Robbie Kempson, thank you for joining us on that weekend feeling. Great, Darren. All the best, my friend. Take care. 
Enter the Daily Dispatch Winner Car Competition and you could drive away in the new seven-seater Suzuki Ortiga 1.5 GA. The competition closes on the 21st of November 2021 and an entry form is printed in the Daily Dispatch every day. The more you enter, the luckier you get. Get your copy of the Daily Dispatch and enter now. Winner Car, proudly brought to you by Daily Dispatch and Ronnie's Motors. That was that weekend feeling with Darren Mann.